With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Take a lickin'. <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just call for Super Chicken. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Calm Box Feed. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to join us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by our good friends over at Combox Feeds. At Combox Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at idealpoultry.com. That's idealpoultry.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. 
I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business, providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for the beginner or advanced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it comes time to order. Shop online at www.strombergschickens.com or call today at one 800 720-1134. Remember, that's StrombergChickens.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky... <laughs> You'll know it's Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Combach Feeds. It is Monday. Yes, it is. I know a lot of frowns are out there because it's Monday, but hey, look at the bright side. We're here on this Monday. I guess it uh, beats the alternative, right? So I hope you had a great weekend with family and friends. Uh, we sure did. We spent uh, the weekend up in uh, the Northeast Georgia mountains, and uh, actually we got to partake in some delayed Independence Day fireworks. They normally schedule them at this particular uh, RV resort um, the Saturday before the 4th, so we got to visit, have them on the 4th, but storm that Saturday before, and they postponed them to the Saturday after. So we had uh, two celebrations of this nation's independence. So uh, we had a good time, but yesterday... Well, I woke up the crew, <laughs> the traveling crew, uh, four, well, actually we woke up about 3.30, I woke up at 3.30, but 
Um, we left. We were hooked up the night before. We were in drive, pulling out of the RV spot at 4.20 a.m. Made great time. Only stopped once to refuel. Um, and what did we get? We got some food, I think. I don't remember what we got. Oh, well. Uh, and then we made it right on down here to Daytona Beach, Florida. And I am broadcasting live right now. If you go to our Facebook page, you'll see my current view broadcasting live right now on the beach, sand between my toes. Got to love it. And I'm looking at all the uh, the special species of uh, uh, um, beach chickens that are out here. <laughs> Lots of different beach chickens. But, um, yeah, enjoying it, having some family time. And uh, we found a few crabs and some shells for the kids. And Jen's taking care of uh, the education time uh, regarding that and doing studying sea oats and all kinds of things like that. And here we are broadcasting about backyard poultry. And I'm glad you joined me today. we got a great show. We've got Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply. And today's topic uh, is actually what we call pause. Um You know, it's, it's very frustrating a lot of times when the media uh, starts covering backyard. And one of the big, biggest things they find in their research, which is bad information, it's false information, they, they say, well, what are you going to do after two years when the, uh, when, when the chickens just stop laying? And uh, I'm like, two years, what are you talking about? I've had chickens that are four years old that are still laying pretty good. You know, things like that. Well, um, uh, so you have to correct them on that. And, and a lot of people, yeah, they'll slow down. We, we understand that. It's not just the magical number two years. Where they get that is a lot of the commercial um, laying hens, they will uh, refresh them, if you will, <laughs> lack of a better term, about every two years because they do start to slow down and then it's not economical. Uh, to keep them around. So um, so that's where they, a lot of times, get that two years. Oh, in two years, they stop laying. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, I talked to many folks on the road that have hens that are five, six, seven years old. They're not laying every day, of course, but they're like, you know, hey, I get a, a, an egg a week from Henrietta, or I get a couple of eggs a week, or, I, you know, she, she lays me an egg every now and then. So, uh, um, and then you have to educate the media about, you know, a lot of people do this not just for the eggs. You know, we've got composting, we've got education, we've got fertilizer, we've got insect control, we've got pets, we've got, so, so it's not just about the egg. And I sometimes use the correlation of, you know, if uh, your beloved dog uh, gets arthritis in its hip and can't run or play ball anymore, are you just going to throw it on the wayside? Of course not, because he's still a companion, he's still a pet, there's still benefits there. Just because he can't play ball anymore, just because your backyard hens don't lay anymore, don't lay every day or every other day, doesn't mean you have to get rid of them. There's all those other benefits, right? Well, some people. Um, and there's a huge melting pot of evil to keep backyard poultry. You and I both know. Hey, they got to earn their keep. Uh, they've got to, uh, uh, you know, if I'm paying 15 bucks a bag for feed, you're going to be giving me a, So they'll even rotate their chickens out of it as well uh, on occasion. But uh, that, that's where that comes from, the, the commercial folks that kind of rotate every couple of years to have maximum egg production. And the media attaches to that. Says, oh, they, what are you going to do when they stop laying in two years? <laughs> And you have to educate them on that. Again, it's not a lot of people. It's not just for eggs. There's always other great benefits. And uh, what are you talking about? They just magically stop after two years. That's what media wants you to, 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 to think about sometimes. So kind of interesting there. And while we're waiting for Peter to call, I saw some really uh, interesting posts over the weekend um, about the current salmonella outbreak. The CDC announced that the 
I guess it was. And I think at this point still, I haven't got any updates, 181 uh, uh, ill across the country. Uh, forget how many hospitalizations um, track back to uh, cuddling and kissing their poultry and bringing them in the house. And so uh, I think it was the AJC there in Atlanta where the CD was came out with an article that says uh, CDC claims salmonella outbreak due to people kissing and cuddling chicken. And then, of course, other through um, the Associated Press, other people uh, picked up on that. Now it's like salmonella bring. So, so uh, a lot of the uh, Facebook backyard uh, chicken groups have caught on to this. They posted it. You have everybody. Oh, I'm not going to stop kissing my chickens. Oh, I've owned chickens for six years and it's never happened to me. Oh, this is just uh, their way of trying to control our birds. They just want to take care of our birds. Oh, the the big the big commercial people are are are, are worried about us uh, interfering with their profits. <laughs> I look at all this stuff, and, you know, I, I get it. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. Maybe one could arguably say I'm the grandfather of backyard poultry before it became the cool thing to do. Um, but the funny thing is that, number one, do you really think that Tyson and Purdue give a crap about your backyard chickens? Excuse my French. Do you really think that? If you took all the eggs that are produced in backyards, soccer mom yards and hobbyist yards, if you took all those eggs, do you think, honestly, you could provide eggs from one McDonald's store for a year, just one, or one Waffle House restaurant for a year? Doubt it. And you think they're worried <laughs> about you're, you're not buying a dozen eggs a week because you have six hens in your backyard? Um, that, that, that's laughable to me uh, because uh, Dyson and Purdue, I can assure you, aren't worried about uh, the soccer mom in, in, in uh, Alpharetta, Georgia, that has six ends in her backyard. Guarantee it. They don't even give it a second thought. Um, and it, seriously, I mean, it'd be a great study to do to see roughly based on the guesstimate of how many uh, uh, people have backyard chickens and how many hens they have and how many eggs they get. If if uh, every single backyard uh, chicken keeper collected all their eggs, if they'd even collect enough uh, to provide one year's worth of eggs for a McDonald's store. And, and people have posted, oh, they're just worried about it. No, I don't think so. And then um, the other thing was, oh, this is a, a a plan for the government to take away our chickens. Really? Why don't you think they did it 20 years ago? You know, we've been having salmon outbreaks, and it has been documented, and, and the CDC, you go to their website, you can see it over the last 20 years, uh, the tracking salmonella outbreak, specifically in spring when everybody gets their baby chicks and Easter comes and people buying for Easter basket surprises and things like that. Um and and uh, don't you think if they really wanted to ban backyard chickens, they would have done it after California's uh, uh, Newcastle disease, exotic Newcastle disease, where millions of birds had to be destroyed, which actually that started in a backyard flock, and then it affected many more backyard flocks and wild birds and um, commercial birds and exotic birds like macaws. I mean, millions of birds had to be terminated because of that. Hmm. And, uh, don't you think they would have just banned chickens then? You know, was that seven, eight years ago? No, they didn't. Okay, um, because it was about ten years ago, thirteen years ago. But no, nope, they didn't. So uh, you don't think they would have banned it last year when we had over four hundred people get salmonella? Did they try to ban? No, they didn't. You still have your chickens. So it just that's kind of interesting. I mean, I'm all about a good conspiracy theory, but the number of times I see that come here, all it would take is a stroke of a pen. Stroke of a pen. That's it, and you have no more chickens. Okay, are they doing it? No. They don't need to have some salmonella outbreak to do this or to justify this. Um, look at look at history. But 
so yeah, it was just that that kind of cracks me up a little bit because I don't think they would have done it after you know, a huge outbreak, the exotic Newcastle, where millions of birds were destroyed. No, no. and then um, uh, I love this one too. Uh, I have kept chickens for uh, nine years. I cuddle them, kiss them. I, I'm fine. Nothing's ever happened. I understand that. Tomorrow's another day. I wonder how many people, right before they were diagnosed with lung cancer, smokers, for example, I'll just throw that out there said, I've been smoking for 15 years. I've never had cancer. I'm fine. Oh, guess what? Next day to go to the doctor. I'm sorry, Mr. Smith. You have to diagnose you. How many people? How many people who have got the salmonella now said, oh, I've kept chickens for several years. I've never had a problem. And now they have it. That's the, the most idiotic, to me, uh, lame excuse that, um, oh, I have kept chickens and I've just my husband. I've never had salmonella. This is just yes. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so that always, to me, is kind of laughable when I see that. And everybody always seems to post that um, uh, because tomorrow is another day. And I understand it's relative to your life experience. I shared this with the CDC a couple of weeks ago, and they thought that's a really good explanation. We probably need to start using that because it, what do I mean by it's based on your life experience it is this. If you're 80 years old and you've kept chickens all your life from the time you were four years old and you've never had salmonella and something like this comes out, you think it's probably malarkey but if you had to bury your six-year-old daughter because she got salmonella from handling baby chicks this is a very serious topic to you and it's very serious and it's important to you so it's all based on your if you were in the hospital and now and now you have uh, debilitating issues and a handicap because you had salmonella and it was so bad you were hospitalized because of handling baby chicks this is very serious to you it's personal to you but if you're 80 and you've never had salmonella you've had chickens all your life you think it's a uh, diddly squat so it's all relative on your based on your life experience. That doesn't, regardless of what your opinion is, doesn't change the facts about salmonella. Um, so regardless of what your opinion is, regardless, oh, uh, and and people, I'm gonna keep kissing and cuddling my chickens. That is perfectly fine. I have no problems with that whatsoever. Keep doing that. You may live to your 80 years old and never have salmonella, but guess what? Tomorrow, you may have it. Tomorrow's another day. I would love to. I'm going to contact the CDC. I'm sure there's probably some privacy issues regarding that but i am this year i tried i wanted to do it last year when we had the big salmonella outbreak with over 400 or 500 uh, uh ill but i'm going to see what i can do to try to contact some of these people and and ask have, did you ever say number one how long have you owned chickens and then before this did you ever did it, the words ever utter out of your mouth oh i always kiss my chickens and i've never had a problem now they're in the hospital uh, battling this not so savory disease so um, I just got to see exactly what, what their theory is on it or what their opinion was before they got salmonella and after they got salmonella. So, you know, it, it just, my issue is that here's the information. Do with it what you wish. But regardless of what your opinion is, it doesn't change the facts or the science about salmonella and what it does, how it can make you sick and what you need to do to try to keep from getting sick. None of that changes. That's all factual scientific data. Your opinion uh, it can be different. Of course, that's why we live in, in America. So um, it's kind of like um, the issue of, you know, like I said, once the information's out there, you can do with it what you wish. It's kind of like when the sad story, Boy Scout group decided it would be a great idea to take baby chicks into a nursing home and brighten the residence day. Hey, this will be great. Let's take some baby chicks in. They're so cute. They're so happy and they'll smile and it'll make it. Okay. They did that. True story. You can look it up. Somebody's grandmother is now dead because she got salmonella from these baby chicks that were taken to this nursing home. 
even though the CDC clearly states children under five, the elderly, and people with a weakened immune system should not handle live poultry. They ignored it or didn't know about it, and now somebody's grandmother is dead because of that. Is a shock factor? Maybe, but I'm just giving you the facts. You, that you can't argue that. It's It's been proven. How rare is that? How many other times has it happened? Maybe none, but it happened once. And I'm just giving you those facts. That's a fact. And you can have your opinion, oh, well, I'll take that risk. More people die in car accidents. Yep, that's true, and we still drive. But that doesn't change the facts of about about salmonella or how it spread or you're, you're, you're increasing your risk by kissing and cuddling your chickens. That's a fact. So uh, just like driving a car, there's risk there. Smoking, there's risk there. So, um, again, my job gets you the factual scientific information, and you do with what it was you please. But it's not going to be – I'm not going to lose sleep overnight because I've done my part getting this information out to you guys. And uh, hopefully you won't get sick. I truly hope kissing and cuddling your chickens and humanizing them, if you will, which is a, a big fan base of mine. There's a lot of folks that keep their chickens as pets. I love it. We've had pets. We've had named chickens before. Um, and uh, and I get it. So, um, But if you choose to do that, that's, that's your choice. My job is to just get the factual information out there. Try not to so much uh, hearsay when I post it. And so it's just interesting when, when this comes out, I'm looking at a couple of blogs and forums out there and some of the comments that are being made and, and things like that. Oh, well, um, if you, if we, the more we get salmonella, the better resistance we'll have to it. I mean, it doesn't work like that. Um, we, we've had the experts on. <laughs> so, all righty. But I just want to share that with you because it's ongoing. Salmonella outbreak. You can go to CDC's website and research all about it. And these are just some things and some posts. But I think it just adds more content to factforchickenpoop.com. Because I got about a half a dozen statements. Not questions, but statements. Um, uh, you know what? Here, here's one. This is very interesting. And it, it kind of shows you how we can get the information out there even more importantly, but uh, someone posted on a chicken form, I thought chickens got salmonella from eating raw meat. Never heard that before, never seen a poster before, but this is somebody's true thought that the chickens got salmonella from eating the raw meat. I guess if you cut up raw meat or raw chicken, be it to your chickens. But um, So that, that was an interesting that I hadn't seen before. To assume when there's a salmonella outbreak, they think about Oh, I just need to cook my eggs at 165 degrees and everything will be fine. Yeah, 165 degrees throughout and through and through. Okay, but they lose sight. They they just think about cooking the food, salmonella on raw chicken when they're preparing it in the kitchen, um, uh, and and salmonella and cooking their food really well. And I get that, but also salmonella they they just don't think or they maybe they don't realize that it can also be in the chicken poo, which then can be on the egg and everything else in your coop and in your run because they poop everywhere. It's not just uh, an issue of cooking your food 165 degrees. It's on the tools, on their feathers, in the dust that's in the coop that's spreading to everywhere and, and that type of thing. So it, it is important, yes, to cook food 165 degrees. It can be inside the egg, it can be on the egg, it can be a food, it can be all of the coop, it can be all of the run because it's down in the coop too. So when you look at these, it's very interesting to see people's um, what they have the understanding of salmonella and, oh, it's just, I just have to cook my food. Um, and there's so much more than that. Just like it's so much more than just, oh, I'll just wash my hands and everything will be okay. Big step, yes. But that's just really kind of the, the beginning. Um, like how many of us let our dogs run outside into the backyard with our chickens or where our chickens were or even let the dog in the coop and run? 
and I assure you that they are stepping in chicken poop. You may wash your hands, you may change clothes, you may change out of that designated pair of boots, but then you just open the sliding glass door and like, come on, Fido, and your dog runs right in the house. Put chicken poo on their feet, which is now on your couch, which is now on your sofa, uh, on your carpet, on your bed, and on your clothes, because you sat down to watch I Love Lucy, and now your dog's in your lap, and they stepped in poop for many minutes while you were outside, and there's salmonella. So just a scenario a lot of people don't think about. I tell that, and they're like, oh, man, that's right. Maybe I need to have my dog step into the uh, foot wash before I let them back into the house uh, as well. So just want to keep you safe, folks. I want you to enjoy your backyard poultry. And I want you to be aware of what you can do to just try to uh, reduce the risk of any type of disease, both for your flock and for yourself and your family. I want you to enjoy those baby chicks and, and your poultry and have fun with them. But uh, I don't want you to uh, end up in the hospital with your uh, six-year-old daughter because of it. Got a great show lined up for you today. We've got uh, Peter Brown, also a chicken doctor, talking about pause And why do they start slowing down? What's happening inside uh, when they start to slow down? When can we expect them to slow down? Uh, and then will they eventually just stop laying all together? Can it be more sudden for some hens and just like no eggs? Or they're slowly... Uh, Every day, every other day, every third day, once a week, twice a week, once a month. And if, can we do anything about it? And, and a lot of the posts on the Facebook page was, um, uh, you, know, an, all, you know, keep it natural. It's a natural thing. They're going, you know, just keep it natural. We shouldn't do anything. Maybe there's nothing we can do. It's all natural. But um, we're going to ask Peter Brown, the chicken doctor right now. So let's give him a big chicken whisperer. Welcome. <laughs> Peter Brown, thanks for joining us today. Hope you had a great weekend. Hi, did Andy. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Just hanging good. out, and we are broad. I posted a picture on the Facebook page of where I'm actually broadcasting live right now. I have sand in between my toes, and I have the uh, Atlantic Ocean, right, probably 50 feet from me. We came down to the beach and um, enjoying uh, enjoying uh, some family time. But the show must go on. Part of my life is spreading the chicken love, and it's what we do. So I'm taking a few minutes out of the day to uh, learn about. Pause. <laughs> yeah, I listened. Uh, I was on on hold there, listening to your uh, uh, comments. Call it what it is. It's a rant. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's a rant. You know, um, overcoming overcoming the um, the uh, misinformation. I guess I should call it that. That runs across social media and everywhere else. Uh, uh, is a daunting task, and um, I've pretty much given up on it myself. I mean, I I very rarely now uh, stick my nose in on any post anywhere. Um, I never did go to to uh, you know you know any of the real backyard chicken sites and all that kind of stuff. I've just kept away from too much controversy and, and that kind of. Thing. I don't have the time to waste uh, trying to uh, argue with people who think they know something and whatever. So. You know, you run up against the same thing I, I run up against all the time, and I'm I'm more interested in helping those that really want to help themselves and really want to do well for their flocks. Um, and um, uh, it just just behooves me to understand, you know, the 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 avian influenza thing. If people would just understand, um, you know, how it has evolved into what it is today. Uh, just by having followed it over the years, and I've, I have followed it, and we've talked about it, you know, a, a lot on the show. No different than the, in a sense, than the uh, the salmonella thing. If you follow it, you'll see that this is an ongoing thing, and 
you know, while <clears throat> things are done about it, I don't think um, enough is always always done about it. And, and one of the things I, I don't remember here in any of the hatcheries uh, that were involved in this particular outbreak now, last uh, year they were named, but doesn't seem to be the thing this year. Um, but, you know, a lot of this stuff, you know, rodent control is a, is a huge, huge issue. Uh, we found that out when uh, the DeCoster deal uh, was a, a couple of, couple of years ago with all those uh, eggs and stuff that were contaminated and so on and so forth. And you come to find out, you know, they, you know, there, there was no uh, uh, rodent control, free-flying birds in the houses, uh, all kinds of things, contaminated feed coming in from contaminated feed source, uh, you know, and so on and so forth. But if you really follow the the avian influenza thing, you'll see the same thing. It's it's other parts of the world where it's left uncontrolled, and that gets into the waterfowl who then migrate. And I had sent you uh, a while back, uh, yep. you know, the migratory patterns, how they commingle up in Canada and everything else. So the conspiracy theory will always be there uh, about almost anything in life, I think, uh, and. Um, you know, those that want to live in the uh, the conspiracy world uh, can go ahead and do so. You know, if you, you enjoy having your head in the sand or elsewhere, um, you know, that's fine. I'm okay with that. But, you know, you got to call it what it is. Um, you know, in the last couple of weeks alone, there have been two new outbreaks in England alone, uh, one low path, one high path. So it's still there. And then, you know, uh, you go and look at, um, you know, all of the countries that I've outlined in the past uh, what, seven months now, we talked about it. We talked about it, uh, did shows and, and stuff about it early on in this year, late last year. And I, and I read off all the countries at that time. There was some 20 countries plus that had had it or had ongoing problems at that time. And Saudi Arabia was one of the worst, still having problems since like 2006, 2009. Here we are, what, 2015? Still don't have a handle on it? So you got to expect it to come back. And uh, then I did say again uh, that um, uh, it was my feeling that the huge spread of, of uh, uh, avian influenza in the uh, in the far west, the northwest, and everything else was due to poor uh, sanitation by the uh, on the part of the poultry companies. And you know, far be it from me to be a genius, but geez, was I right? Uh, you know, that's what the uh, that's what the government came up with. Said so, you know going from one farm to another without disinfecting and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, could have easily been contained in the beginning, but uh, unless people step up to the plate and take responsibility for it, it's going to keep going on. So, you know, the same thing with salmonella, you know, until they learned how to control it. And, I mean, we know how to control it, but until they actually implement uh, programs to do so, it's still going to be here, and you're going to hear about it every year. So, um, you know, the conspiracy thing is one thing, but uh, reality is another, and... Uh, some people don't like to live in the real world, but um, I know, and I know that's not what this, today's show is about. <laughs> I just I wanted to share it with people because it is it's ongoing, and uh, the numbers may uh, be growing. They'll probably come out with some additional uh, and new numbers and new uh, science, uh, new uh, updates on this uh, probably in the next thirty days. And mm-hmm. I've just over the, over the weekend looking at because it, uh, somebody had posted an article. I think it was AJC in Atlanta who started it first. That, uh, CDC claims that people are getting salmonella around the country from hugging and kissing their chickens. Mm-hmm. So non backyard poultry folks are, are you know they don't get it and don't aren't in you know they're like oh jeez and they look like people are cuddling and kissing their chickens but you know you and I 
know, we, you know, all of that fans, we see it, you know, we kind of understand that, even though we share the bit, we understand that that movement and that that portion of, of the backyard poultry community, that they're, they're, they're humanizing them, they're the pets, they're the little trees, they get, as we talk about it here, here a lot. So I wanted to touch on it again and, and, and share some of the, whether you want to call it ridiculousness or just misinformed, the mis- you know, the, the head in the sand uh, comments uh, that, that we see. And I try to address a few of those, like, really. <laughs> you really think Tyson and Purdue really care about your six cents in your backyard? You really think they care? You know, when, when if you took all the eggs from all the backyard hens in America, probably couldn't provide uh, a year's worth of eggs for one McDonald's store or one, one Waffle House, period. Yeah, more than likely, really, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they're really concerned about that. So that's, um, you know, that, that's, that's anyway, so. Um, hey, let's yeah, talk a little bit about, uh, go ahead. Yeah, if there's any concern from those those uh, companies, it would be uh, having backyard flocks too close to any flock that they own. But other than exactly. other than that, you know, would they rather see it all go away? Sure, and it's not a monetary thing. Uh, it's still the the thinking that uh, you know the backyarders are the ones that cause all the problems, and um, um, that's not necessarily so. So correct. Yep. Um, and, if, and, if, and if, yeah, the issue about, oh, the government just wants to eliminate all that, that's why they're spending millions of dollars on education pamphlets for you to raise them right without disease. And if they wanted to do it, they put one stroke of a pen, and they could have done it right after the Saudi Newcastle outbreak in California about 10 years ago, and millions of birds had to be put down and caused all started by backyard uh, flock. And just, you know, they, they wanted, they would have done it. So um, I, you know, being on the inside a little bit, I don't, I don't see any of that. So, um, in fact, um, two of the people I know that work at CDC have backyard chickens, and uh, I think two or three of the USDA have backyard chickens. So, just one of those things. But um, yeah, let's let's uh, continue on. Um, in a pause, and you know, because we all of us chicken owners, we we see that we've had a, uh, any length of time. It's something we read about before we get them. Okay, in a couple of years or three years, they may start slowing down. We talk to people. I've had chickens for five or seven years. I still get a couple eggs a week from old Henrietta, or, or one one a week, or you know, she lays occasionally. I'll find one of her eggs, and mm-hmm. um, but but I, you know, she's a part of the family. She's a pet, and uh, so so we're going to keep her regardless, and that type of thing. So I want to talk a little bit about the the science of kind of when this starts with the hen, why it starts with the hen, and uh, um, is there anything we can do to prolong or to mm-hmm. help or, or anything like that uh, um, when we have all these uh, laying hens in our backyard? Yeah, this is this is an interesting uh, subject. We've touched on it in the past in, in different ways, um, but uh, we we never, I don't believe, directly addressed um, you know the the uh, different. Um, uh, entities that are involved, and one wouldn't think it, but there's a whole lot of things going on. And anybody that's listened to the show on a regular basis uh, and has listened to the things that we've we've talked about will have heard me say that you know uh, laying an egg for a chicken is a huge, uh, monumental, physiological uh, undertaking. Uh, it it requires. Uh, a tremendous amount of coordination um, from uh, the release of, uh, of, of calcium to to the release of uh, of the um, uh, the uh, 
what you might call the egg follicle, what other people might call the yolk, other people call the ovum, doesn't matter. Uh, it's all basically the same thing. Um, so you have to have a director directing all of these things, and all of these things have to happen in a timely fashion. If they don't, uh, everything gets out of sync. It's kind of like the timing in your car. Anybody that knows anything about how the timing works in a car as to how the camshaft opens the valves and closes the valves and uh, so on and so forth, this is along the same lines. You let your, uh, um, these days they use belts, I guess, for timing belts, but when I was a kid it was a timing chain. And uh, you let it jump one tooth out of place and see how if you're going to start that car, how it's going to run. Uh, backfiring and choking and snorting going down the road if it'll go at all. This is kind of like the same thing. And, um, you know, when you presented me uh, with that uh, topic, because uh, it was your choice, uh, that's why, you know, you know, I jumped on it right away. I said, yeah, that's a good idea, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. because it's, uh, while it is complex, I'm going to keep it relatively simple because I don't think it's worthy of, of, of digging down into every little nook and cranny because it's, it's, it's unimportant. Sure. But I think, I think the important thing to take away from this is that there are a multitude of things that keep a bird from laying eggs or, uh, or the cessation of egg laying early in its life. Uh, predominant one is genetics, okay? Uh, a lot of these things are genetically controlled, the, uh, uh, the ability to, to, uh, to uh, lay eggs uh, uh, on a consistent basis day after day after day. And there are companies, you know, that are working on it now uh, that, uh, and have been for many, many years trying to, uh, you know, get the number of uh, eggs that a bird will produce in a given year uh, up. And I don't know. I've, I've seen, I can't remember the, 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 the company that is the primary breeder, but uh, there's this, this been this talk about 500 eggs a year. Uh, they're going to have to go some to do that because they're going to have to shorten up the time that the egg spends uh, in uh, the, the, uh, the different uh, parts of the oviduct getting the... Uh, uh, the uh, the white and the uh, membrane and, and the uh, shell and stuff put on uh, they're going to have to speed that up dramatically and, and time will time will tell on that one but um, little little be known uh, we talked about just a week or two ago I think it was about the immune system and believe it or not uh, in a in a way uh, a big way actually uh, the immune system does play a role uh, in egg production now who would have thought right well, you know uh, we usually look at the immune system responding to the uh, uh, invading enemy. And, and when we did the immune system thing, I took you through a, a uh, disease battle, so to speak. And we talked about uh, different types of cells and how they responded in the bird's uh, body. And, of course, I put uh, battlefield terms on them, enemy and uh, infantry, uh, uh, intelligence, uh, Navy SEALs, Border Patrol, the whole kind of thing, uh, trying to make it a little bit lighter to explain you know what the immune system really does at at the end of the day. Uh, I'm not don't know if it did a good job, bad job, but uh, uh, this cessation of egg production uh, does involve the immune system. It involves the bird's hormonal system for sure. Um, and if you go back to when we did some some work on lash eggs, we talked about uh, the master gland, which is the pituitary gland in the bird's uh, system and it being responsible for um, the uh, production or, or the uh, signaling to start the production of what we call the sex hormones, which then drive the uh, 
production of, of, of eggs. And one of the um, uh, most important hormones involved uh, in the production of eggs uh, is called a follicle-stimulating hormone. Now, what is a follicle-stimulating hormone? It's a hormone that is responsible for stimulating the production of the ovum, which you would then know as the yolk. So if we don't have the follicle-stimulating hormone being produced in enough quantity, that's why we see these little what people call fart eggs and those kind of things or smaller eggs because the ovum is small. And when it's ovulated and gets into the oviduct and has its uh, um, the egg white put on and everything else, it's tiny, so therefore we're not going to put this huge shell around it. So when it makes it down into the shell gland, you get this little egg around this little ovum and having this, this uh, nice shell put on. It comes out, it's got a nice smooth shell on it, but it's tiny. And this we usually see in the early going of a bird's laying cycle. When she first starts laying, we'll see this because not enough of this follicle stimulating hormone is being produced long enough to make the ovum really large, okay? Um, and as the bird goes on and, and uh, a couple of those smaller eggs are, are, are gone through, more and more of this hormone is pr produced in greater quantities, and we start seeing larger ovums. Larger ovums means uh, larger eggs, okay, as a general rule. So as long as that's going on, we're going to see... Um, you know, good eggs, uh, and, and more than likely uh, an egg almost every day or certainly every other day for, for most breeds. Again, a lot of that is going to be genetically controlled, okay? The less follicle-stimulating hormone and, and other hormones that are involved that are produced, but the follicle-stimulating hormone is one of the biggest ones because if it's not there, it ain't going to happen. There'll be nothing, okay? And so the pituitary gland is responsible for that. Um, there are other things, diseases, um, you know, bronchitis, uh, Newcastle, Merrick's disease, uh, Gumboro disease, uh, these kinds of things that are going to keep birds from, from producing eggs or certainly producing uh, good quality eggs uh, and, you know, reduce the amount of eggs that a bird is going to produce uh, in that period of time. So... Um, when birds uh, on, the, on the meat bird side are selected for uh, greater production of, 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 uh, of meat, they end up giving up um, the amount of uh, a, a reasonable amount of eggs that a bird would be producing. So it's a, it's extremely important to them. So if you were in a broiler breeder business and you had uh, uh, these birds, they would be producing lower numbers of, uh, of eggs and lower numbers of fertile eggs, and that in turn requires uh, the, the um, flocks to be uh, spiked with, with more males. So they take out the non-performing males and they put new males in. Well, what that does is it upsets the entire uh, hierarchy of the flock, and it can take several weeks or more for this flock to settle down. Uh, and so we start to see... Uh, uh, before we start to see improved um, uh, egg production and improved uh, hatchability with, with them uh, along those lines. The hormonal imbalances that can be caused by genetics, uh, that can also be caused by stress in a bird, uh, will start to give you trouble with um, egg production. And we talked about that uh, the last time uh, in relation to uh, corticosteroids being produced, uh, the fight or flight syndrome which shuts down the, uh, basically the immune system and also does have a negative impact on egg production. Okay? 
So birds that are, are frightened uh, and stay in that state, okay, a uh, bird maybe after an attack by a, by a predator or a dog or um, sometimes thunder and lightning is enough to do it, um, that can be several days before that bird will return to a, uh, a um, calm state and allow it to go on and uh, produce uh, uh, eggs again. So they would maybe skip two or three days, maybe more depending on the bird. And again, I hate to keep going back to it, but a huge, huge part of all of this uh, depends on the bird's uh, genetics and to a degree, uh, and I'll talk about it here in a minute, will be the, uh, the bird's immune system. So if we have um, a problem with a bird's immune system uh, where it's under attack by other uh, diseases, whether it's uh, under attack from corticosteroids where it's basically shutting down the immune system, um, there is a particular hormone uh, called inhibin. And when inhibin is produced, it prevents the birds from uh, producing the follicle-stimulating hormone that is going to stimulate the ovums to grow uh, in the ovary tree, which is where they're all kept in that big yellow blob attached to the backbone of the bird, okay, and it's going to keep them from maturing. And as long as that hormone is being produced in enough quantity to do this, it is going to prevent uh, those birds from continuing on uh, with their lay cycle and, and laying eggs. Exactly when uh, this type of a situation of, of the birds, um, you know, producing less eggs, we usually see it later in the, in the lay cycle. Um, I don't think you can put a particular finger on it. All breeds are different. Uh, all breeds, because of their genetic makeup, uh, are going to uh, produce legs, less eggs at all different times, so this, they really can't say, but most of the time, uh, depending on how uh, inbred the birds are, uh, you'll see a reasonable amount of eggs, um, you know, for the first um, maybe 20, 30 weeks uh, after the onset of egg production, but as they get out there to, to, uh, to a later age, you'll start to see that, you know, that'll, that'll drop off, and then in the second year, they don't come back and, and, and do as well. Uh, some of it is is controlling these hormones through through light stimulation. Light stimulation uh, is is part of um, uh, this process uh, as well, and that's why we stimulate them to fool the system uh, into thinking that it's okay to lay eggs because of the time of year and so on. So the day length uh, can can uh, play a, a big a role in this. Um, the um, diseases, uh, merics. Uh, bronchitis, Newcastle, uh, uh, gumboro disease or infectious peripheral disease, whichever one you want to call it, uh, or any other disease, stress is a big one to, to slow them down uh, and um, make them produce uh, less eggs for a period of time. Uh, but the, the big deal is uh, for birds in, in, the, uh, in the whole scheme of things is this hormone inhibin. Uh, it's extremely important to understand uh, you know what this hormone does and how it's controlled uh, and how it plays a role uh, in the production of eggs and the cessation of egg production because it is the the number one uh, hormone that is going to allow these birds to uh, lay eggs or not lay eggs it's it's the traffic cop all by itself Andy did you want to go to co a commercial at this point and then I'll finish up with this yes that'll be fine 
commercial uh, right now, and then we'll come back and uh, okay. we can learn a little bit more about Hennepaws and uh, other great things about our backyard chickens. Folks, we're talking with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply. Uh, dot com and of course yours truly the chicken whistle broadcasting live. Okay, I don't want to rub it in too much, but sand between my toes, Daytona Beach, Florida, and uh, looking at all the beach chickens here that are that are around and uh, all kinds of different breeds of beach chickens. <laughs> so uh, we'll be back with more Peter Brown right after this short break. Stay with us, folks. When you need an incubator, think Brency, the incubation specialist. Brency has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brency.com. Brency spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brency.com or call... 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brency. Technology you can trust. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen Savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your hen saver aprons today at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Love Nest brings the natural goodness of herbs to you in your backyard with handcrafted organic blends for your backyard friends. Packaged in a resealable bag, 
100% USDA certified organic, Love Nest blends come ready to sprinkle directly into the nesting R coop bedding and are completely natural and edible. There's Love Nest Chick Mix Blend, a gentle herb blend perfect for young chicks. Love Nest Layer Blend, designed to help support laying and soothe ruffled feathers. And Love Nest Critter Ritter Blend is naturally effective against those unwelcome guests such as lice, moths, and other pests. Ask for Love Nest at your favorite local feed store or visit them online at www.loveluv-nest.com and try Love Nest Organic Blends for your backyard friends today. in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com. Come back. Come back, back. Come back. Come back. Come back, 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 Feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. All right. Thank you very much for uh, staying with us today on Backyard Culture with the Chicken Whisperer. Sorry about the delay, but there's a GMC um, Z71 that sunk it down to the pumpkin stuff. So it looks like the Ford F-250 is going to have to yank it out. <laughs> hey, Peter, what's going on? Yeah, so I looked in my rear. I saw her come, I saw her come through the, the gate down on the beach, and today it's four-wheel drive only because it's really loose sand. And and she pulls in GMC. Newer model has got Z71 on uh, back along the side of the bed. And so normally thinking, okay, four-wheel drive shift. She turned right behind us. And, I mean, she is right behind us. And she just dropped those. She just dropped it down to the pump, and just, so I think Beach Patrol is going to come and, uh, and and pull it out. I think they do that as a free service. So 
they um, they, they frown on others doing that for others, I guess, liability purposes. But um, I got it. Of course, I got a picture of the GMC Z71 stuck in the sand down to the pumpkin. <laughs> and I wish I could hook her up and pull her out. Then I'd be a really good photo opportunity for all my GMC and Chevy fans. But it is what it is. The, the, the truck rivals continue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, no, today we're talking a little bit about uh, Hannah Paws and, and, uh, and, 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 the, and the length, when they stop, why they stop, how they slow down, when they slow down, anything we can do about it, and, and the whole nine yards. So I'm going to kind of hand it back over to you. Yeah, the, um, the, the main thing here is, is the, the problem with this hormone called inhibin. Uh, it is the main component that shuts down the egg laying over a period of time. But it's an interesting way, uh, the way it's controlled. Uh, early on in the bird's life, the follicle-stimulating hormone and the inhibin are produced uh, relatively in, uh, in equal amounts. And as the bird starts to come into uh, uh, reproductive character, um, more and more of the inhibin is produced. And uh, if it isn't controlled in some way, shape, or form, um, the bird basically uh, would never really be able to lay any eggs. And um, it's kind of odd in the way it is controlled because it's controlled by the immune system. Now, that's why I said that when when you presented this to me, I said, well, this all fits together uh, kind of nice. It was a good topic to to bring back in even the uh, immune system and um, um, even talking about uh, some things from the lash egg thing. So it kind of ties it all together. And, and maybe makes it a little bit clearer for people to see, but the the um, uh, inhibin is a, a what they call a peptide uh, uh, hormone, and um, it's produced by um, a group of, of uh, cells called uh, granulosa cells, and they're found uh, basically um, in the uh, ovary, uh, and 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 uh, again controlled by. Uh, the pituitary gland. So there's what they call a backdoor pathway from of the um, um, it's called a loop from the inhibin back back to back to the brain, and uh, keeps producing more and more and more of of this. And at that point in time, you have less of the follicle stimulating hormone being produced. So if you can kind of look at this as a a balanced scale, on one side you've got the inhibin, on the other you've got the follicle stimulating hormone. You don't need the one on the right, which is the inhibin, because it's going to uh, mess up things. But you do need the one on the left, which is the follicle-stimulating hormone, because you need it to produce the ovums. And so uh, when they're kind of in balance, it's not a big deal. But when the inhibin gets out of balance, uh, it is a big deal. It starts to give you less ovums to produce basically less eggs. I think that's the easiest way to look at it. Well, the way that that inhibin is controlled then it's kind of like an autoimmune disease in humans, okay? The bird's own immune system will attack the inhibin and allow the follicle-stimulating hormone to do its job uh, in the shadow of the inhibin, so to speak. So what you're looking at then is that macrophages come out, sample the inhibin, take that back to the uh, immune system, the immune system starts to produce the proper cells and stuff, so the B cells and the T cells that we were talking about uh, a week or so ago when we talked about the immune system. So this would have been the enemy being the inhibin, the uh, intelligence being the, the B cells, 
the special forces being the macrophages who come out first, uh, get a grip on things, and uh, start telling the, the, uh, uh, the intelligence agency, which would be the B cells and the T cells, uh, you know, how to uh, attack this thing and how to get it under control. And they have uh, uh, help from uh, helper T cells, and, and then that goes into memory cells and, and so on. So we talked about all of that stuff. And all of that, believe it or not, plays a part in this thing. So if you, now you can see if you have a bird with an impaired immune system, either through the uh, infectious bursal disease or uh, the uh, uh, Merrick's disease or any other immunosuppressant disease, uh, it is going to allow the inhibitant to go uncontrolled or maybe more of it produced, maybe not totally uncontrolled. But that's why we see birds start to, uh, to, to, uh, to drop their egg production. And uh, you don't really have any control over it over a period of time. Uh, the more and more inhibin gets produced, um, the, the less the immune system is able to, to, uh, to take care of it, and you have less follicle-stimulating hormone, and then you have more inhibin, and then you have a bird that slowly tapers off. And that's why you see it right from the very onset of day one production. Inhibin is being produced, but in very small amounts, and it, and it starts to grow over a period of time, and we've, I've said this before. And that's, that's what it, it keeps them from, from laying eggs. And you can't fix it. You can't. It's, uh, it's, it's genetic. You might be able to, to ward it off a little bit by uh, doing some things with the bird's immune system, uh, maybe uh, the possibility of using some uh, turmeric, keeping the bird in good health may uh, uh, hey, certainly... Would, would, one, would, would one, like myself, living on the edge, would one go out on a limb and say, because we talk about it so much, Peter, that giving too many treats may prematurely have your hens slowly stop laying. Uh, yeah, it we could because, that you know, when we went back and, you know, we start to talk about lash eggs and we talked about egg production in years past or uh, we talked about problems with shell quality, we always talked about uh, vitamins, minerals, and amino acids. Uh, you know, and uh, the proper having the proper amount of protein, carbohydrate—it's—it's it's all a balance. And when you throw things out of balance, uh, you start to have problems. Um, you know, uh, in, in our own human diets, uh, hate to bring it up, but you know, if you're eating a diet that is uh, high in fats and carbohydrates, uh, I would imagine to say that most people will have bowel problems of some sort. Okay, maybe not a, from a disease standpoint, but from another standpoint of, of uh, uh, having to go to the bathroom quite often and, and, and those kinds of things, whereas a person who is eating more grains and, and uh, less fatty foods and uh, more vegetables and everything else uh, won't have those uh, you know, bouts of, of, of abdominal cramping, gas, and so on and so forth. Uh, so it's kind of like the same thing for, for, uh, for chickens. Uh, when you start feeding them these things, you go away from giving them the things that allow them produce, to produce everything that they can, uh, whether it's putting on weight as a meat bird or whether it's pumping out eggs as, a, uh, as an egg producer, whether you're using them for your own table or selling them or using them for hatching. And uh, the, the, the better you take care of every system in the bird, not just whether they produce inhibitor or don't produce inhibitor or, or whatever, gives you the better quality egg, whether if it's a hatching egg, then you're going to get a better quality hatching egg. You're going to have a better chance of having a good quality chick be hatched out of that. We've talked about this a zillion times, okay? And that better quality chick 
gives you less grief down the road. It's not as sick as often. Uh, you, you use less medications. In many cases, if you're, uh, if you're doing it right, you don't have to uh, uh, hardly medicate them at all. I have a client, uh, and I know this is a little bit off subject, but I'll throw it out there. I have a client of mine uh, over in Virginia who uh, is raising um, some uh, special, speckle, speckled Sussex birds, and he, he really likes uh-huh. them and, 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 and so on. Uh, and he's, a, he's become a good friend of mine over the years. And um, he decided that um, uh, he was going to take this one group uh, that had not been exposed to the rest of his flock, and he was going to just give them nothing in their water, basically, but the oil of oregano. And uh, the others have had respiratory issues and everything else. And this one flock of speckled Sussex to, to this date now, and I forget how long it's been going on, but they're, they're, they're adult birds, have not had one single problem of any kind. The others, on the other hand, have had several different issues that have had to be uh, medicated. And part of the reason is keeping this gut that we've talked about so many times, to keeping that gut in good shape, keeping the pH right, uh, keeping that immune system, uh, the preponderance of the bird's immune cells living there in what we call gut-associated lymphoid tissue, so important, keeping that immune system up to snuff and keeping it there so that if there is any enemy that comes in, that you know all of these different cells that we've talked about, B cells, T cells, killer cells, memory cells, you know, whether you want to call them battlefield, border patrol, whoever, it doesn't really matter, okay? The thing is keeping that healthy to keep that health of that bird up as best that you can, and you have the, the least amount of problems. Uh, you know, I have to look at my own flock here. There's not many of them left, but by God, they're 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 all up in age. They're all geriatric. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and we don't do a blessed thing for them as far as medicating. It's not necessary. Mm-hmm. They are they're happy. They're healthy. They got plenty of space. They're not under stress. Uh, we've tried to alleviate all of that. We have mostly roosters now. Okay. Um, you know, we've 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 mitigated all of those things by giving them plenty of space, get away from each other. And yeah, like I told you before, when they get up in the morning, they act stupid to each other, pushing each other around a little bit, but it's it's momentary because they have plenty of food areas for them, plenty of water areas, they can get away from each other. Some come inside, some go outside, and all they get is good food, good place, clean place to stay at night, locked up, predator-free, plenty of fresh water, plenty of fresh food, and very rarely do we give them a bunch of treats. Very rarely. And when I talk about treats, we're talking about uh, some chopped kale or something like that. Or if we've had some watermelon, they get, you know, we leave some on the rind for them and throw the rinds out there and they go after it and have a party with it. But that's, you know, that's not an everyday thing, not an every week thing, not an every month thing. And uh, so the healthier you keep them, the more eggs they're going to lay for you, uh, no matter what. Keep in mind that genetics plays a big part in, in, uh, in, in uh, the amount of eggs that birds are going to be able to produce anyway. Uh, and that uh, you need to have a good, healthy immune system to help keep inhibitant control uh, under control so that uh, it doesn't interfere with, with egg production. But like I said, it's a huge, monumental, physiological task that these birds undergo on a daily basis uh, to produce an egg for the, for the table. We, we take it for granted because we go to the store and we pay three bucks or whatever it is for a dozen eggs. We go home, scramble them up, eat them, or whatever the case may be. Or if they're your backyard birds, you go out and you get them and you eat them. And we don't have a tendency in this day and age to think about how that all comes about and what it takes to get that bird to that point. But it, it is a huge, huge thing. And uh, 
So on a daily basis, this hormone uh, inhibitor is being presented to the immune system, and the immune system is beating it back and allowing the follicle-stimulating hormone to do its job. The ovums are produced, they're ovulated, and the, uh, uh, the egg white is put on, the membrane is put on, the shell is put on down in the shell gland, spending 23-plus hours there, uh, and then a surge of, uh, of, uh, of calcium uh, stimulates the muscles to kick the egg out, and voila, there you got it. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny how on the show it all goes back to just uh, not telling them with kindness and using uh, some sensible care and, and good quality uh, uh, nutritionally balanced feed. And, uh, yeah, it, it all goes back to that. So uh, great, great information today. I, I thought about it yesterday and thought um, that this would really be good because it's something everybody who has hens will eventually go through if they have not already and just you know, answer some questions that a lot of people may have, like when, why, how, anything I can do, and, and uh, pay for long this, and, and, and still keep it all natural, like, like folks were saying on, on the Facebook page. So, Peter, I appreciate you uh, joining us and shedding some light on this particular topic like you always do, and hope you have a good week, and uh, we'll think of another great one for uh Next week, hey, I want to tell you about uh, Dr. McCray's coming on Thursday, and she sent me a uh, a study and um, that hadn't even been released yet. We're going to be talking about it on Thursday. Very interesting. I know that uh, a lot of my fans will, will like this and like to hear this, um, but uh, it, it's a study that basically, I don't want to say proves, but it was a study that, that detailed uh, with birds that were beak trimmed um, and the significance in that and being able to successfully preen and, and remove um, mites and lice from their bodies. And so uh, very, very interesting. So we're going to be talking about that in detail on, on Thursday. And I'll post, uh, I guess I have to paraphrase. I, I can't post the exact uh, study, but at this point I can paraphrase, I guess, according to Dr. McCray. Uh, what it talks about, and with with the DB, not DB, that's bad terminology, uh, beak trimmed uh, birds um, and the, their their ability to preen and, and remove things that stay clean from mites and, and lice. So that'll be interesting. One I'm looking for on uh, on Thursday. So I want to let our other listeners know that as well. And I'm sure Peter will have another great topic for folks next Monday when you return. Yeah, look forward to it. Great. Thanks so much for coming by today, and uh, enjoy your week, folks. That's Peter Brown also known as the Chicken Doctor. Hey, visit his website, firststatevetsupply.com. Firststatevetsupply.com. One of the coolest things he has over there is the emergency medicine kit. The emergency medicine kit, $29.95. We can't beat it. And uh, Take a look at it, what it's for, what it has in that. You also can get that oregano, or oregano that we've talked about so many times, the prebiotic, probiotic we've talked about so many times, fly.com. That's going to wrap up another great episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. I appreciate you tuning in today. Oh, we got another stuff. What is that? That's another Chevy. i got to go get a picture of this. Okay, y'all have a great day. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, folks, and, of course, God bless.
guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.